Most people think that they are choosing between the good and the bad. In reality, they are choosing between being mediocre and becoming truly great. Welcome to the Next Action Podcast with your host, Brian Wallace. In 15 minutes, we'll help our guests catapult from their current situation to a path of greatness. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. So great to have you on once again. And I'm very excited about today's guest, my friend Naftali Hoff. He is an executive coach, and he works with leaders, small business owners, and entrepreneurs to really help impact them and help them scale. How are you doing today, Naftali? I am doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely, man. So as you know, we just roll right into this. We know that people don't necessarily have an hour to <laughs> spend on all this all day, and we're already one minute in. So in 15 minutes, let's see how we can help you soar for the new year. So tell us what you've got going on right now, and let's try to dive in and see how impactful we can be. Sure. Love it. Yeah. So I'm an executive coach. I work with uh, small business owners, entrepreneurs, and anyone who's interested in becoming a better leader and helping to help them scale their business, you know, really get clear on their goals, um, you know, organize their people properly, get them really, really clear on who's doing what and how they're going to, uh, you know, maximize impact within their businesses. And I work with nonprofit leaders as well, because as you know, leadership is really a universal concept. The organization the, the, the background might change, but the, the core principles are the same. So that's that's the, the bread and butter, if you will, of what I do. I'm also a speaker. I consult. I do a lot of writing, and I'm a podcaster as well. So i got a lot going on, but it's all relating to help people uh, become more than what they are today. Yeah, and I love that. And something that I feel like a lot of people who may be in your spot or similar, I feel like they struggle trying to find their niche. I feel like you are very comfortable and confident in your specific niche. And I know we were talking about this prior to the show. You even have a very, very specific target demographic. So that I think will help guide us into exactly what we can try to figure out on how to help, right? So let's talk about that. Yeah. Tell us about your demographic. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, a lot of my demographic <clears throat> remains within, even though I didn't mention this as much in my in my introductory response, uh, remains within the educational space. I'm a former teacher and principal, so I have many, many relationships within the world of education. Still do quite a bit of coaching there, as well as professional development and trainings. At the same time, I have become uh, much more entrenched, if you will, within the New York City area, which is where I live, helping small business owners and professionals here who have, uh, in most cases, I would say, you know, five to 20 employees, uh, they're looking to um, get more working, if you will, on their business rather than in their business. Uh, they've become entrenched in the technical side of things over the years because that's really what they're good at in many cases. And I help them try to get above the weeds to see the bigger picture, to create the vision uh, for their business, and then to find the right people or to empower people already within to help them do the day-to-day -day work so that they could be out there growing the business, helping it scale. For sure. And I know that you had also mentioned the Jewish community specifically. Yes. Yes. I work with uh, many members of the Jewish community, specifically within the Orthodox Jewish, and even more specifically, it happens to be I work with a lot of male entrepreneurs and small business owners. Um, I think it may just be the law of attraction, if you will, because I fit that entire demographic. Um, it certainly is not a preclusive demographic for me. I work with others as well. Uh, but thus far, that has been the overwhelming majority of people uh, who I've worked with, at least outside of the space of education. Sure. And I'm right in that boat. So I completely can understand the perspective. I don't live in New York anymore. I live in Cincinnati now, but uh, born and raised. So I totally understand the mindset, the willingness, and really the need. I feel like 
sometimes a lot of people in the community may not even understand the full value of a coach. So a coach is not a therapist, right? So really zeroing in on helping them being whole so they can work on their business versus in their business, right? I think that's tremendous. So I think a, a key component of what we can isolate here is how do we become known to that specific demographic in that specific location? So yeah, yeah. I know that you're you're doing a lot online, you're doing a lot in social, you're getting your name out there in some big publications. I think that really amping that up, but also looking for speaking opportunities that specifically cater to that. So I know you and I had talked about um, and this was basically like the world's first attempt. So a couple of months ago, uh, seven or eight lar very large Jewish organizations came together and they put together a one-day accelerator boot camp for entrepreneurs. So I think as more of those things come out, especially if they're in the Metro New York area, I think that they would be very helpful to attend, but also from a being known, powerful image perspective to really get your name out there. So what other places have you spoken at? Are there other places that you're looking to speak at? I think that's worth spending some time on. Sure. Yeah, so I have spoken primarily at conferences um, or expo type events. And so you talked about, I think it was the Tribe Works you were referring to. Uh, I've spoken at some local New York City area um, expositions, mainly for Jewish entrepreneurs, such as the JBiz Expo, the OJBA, um, and some others as well. And those tend to have that demographic, whether they're in building and construction, whether they're small business owners um, who are providing services, whatever that might look like, uh, there's a lot of opportunity to get out in front of people. Although typically speaking, they offer multiple sessions concurrently. So it's not quite the keynote, but it definitely does provide uh, an element of authority, an element of opportunity to engage, and then, of course, to follow up with people afterwards as well. Uh, in addition, I will attend, um, let's call it uh, industry conferences, many of them in education, but not exclusively, and uh, whether as a keynote or just as one of the speakers that they invite, talk about some content that you know we agree on that's going to provide you know meaningful value whether it's how do you delegate more effectively how do you set smart goals how do you um, change uh, how do you manage change effectively within your organization i try to make the talks as much as i can around the coaching work that i do uh, in some cases it tends to just be something people want to know that uh, may not necessarily dovetail perfectly with the kind of work I'll do on a daily basis, but still gives me an opportunity and a platform that I wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's totally fine to not be a keynote speaker. I think when it comes to speaking, you kind of have to make a decision. So if you have this consulting coaching practice and you have a podcast and you're doing all these different things, I don't know if you necessarily want to be a keynote speaker, because if you're going to be a keynote, you might actually turn off some of these other things. And usually the pathway that goes with being a keynote is also writing a book. I don't know if you've considered that, but. Yes, I've written a okay. book actually, and it's available. Yeah, it's available on Amazon. It's available on my, book, on my book website as well. It's called Becoming the New Boss, The New Leader's Guide to Sustained Success. And I wrote it. I don't know if you want me to jump yeah, in on this, Brian, but I'll, yeah. I'll tell you very quickly. Um, I wrote it really as the book I wish I would have had when I started in my leadership position. You know, all the pieces associated with what is leadership? How is it different than management? How do you build equity within the organization? You know, when is the right time to begin start to, to manage change? Uh, all these kinds of things. And I found what was fascinating for me uh, is that it really became almost exclusively a focus on smart, uh, on soft skills. 
And that's a lot of what I write about as well. You know, the relationship pieces, et cetera, communication. Um, so I did write the book. It was an outgrowth. You talked about my writing before briefly. Uh, I had written many, many blog posts um, for these publications. I found that there was a lot of uh, there was a nice line of, I wouldn't say symmetry necessarily, but a nice way by which to connect a lot of the content, tighten it up, make sure that it really flowed from beginning to end. And so the chapters were in many cases expanded blog posts that I had created initially, all with the intention of increasing visibility, increasing my feeling, my, my sense of authority, so that when I do approach people as a speaker, as a coach consultant, not only do I now have a doctorate, not only do I have some, some of the, let's call it uh, street cred from doing the actual work, but I'm also an author. And I hope that when well. you were going to all of these speaking events, you are bringing a stack of books and you're signing them and you're meeting with people. I think that certainly <laughs> would help the game as well. So... Yeah, it's interesting that you're talking about on the education side, because I think that can open up to a much broader audience. You have all that great experience in the past. Uh, Everybody who listens to the show knows that I speak at length about South by Southwest. This is going to be my 10th year going. And South by Southwest used to have, as part of their core interactive, they would have just a bunch of education, higher ed, all the different players in that, whether it's tech, whoever you are. There were so many people in it that they actually broke it off to a separate pre-event which is South by Southwest EDU. I don't know if you've ever been to that or if you have any interest, but I feel like that might be really good as a credibility play and also to just meet a very large world of that space. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm not actually familiar with it, but I just opened it up on my computer to take a look after our call. So I will I will definitely check it out. Awesome, because as much as we try to focus on a super specific niche, I feel like it's super important to stand out. So it's great that you're writing on Smart Brief. It's great that you've written all these other places. It's great that you have a, a wonderful cadence and heartbeat of content across your blog, across social channels. But does your target audience read all of that? Do they respect it? Do they know it? Does it resound with them? I would say yes. I think this is just a, a game and a play to get more of that. So for instance, when I look at your website, the impactfulcoaching.com, I always have SEO tools open on my browser. So I see that your site has a domain authority of a 24, which on a scale of one to a hundred is pretty on the low end. And when I look at all the places that are linking to you, you definitely have some big names on there, but I think it's just continuing to push out more of those big names. So that way, even when people are searching stuff, I think it's definitely worth spending some time to try to get more on the SEO angle. I'm sure okay. the podcast is helping. Uh, definitely writing at the big places has been helping. I would love to see you getting interviewed on different places because I think that you, you know, to write a book and say, hey, this is the book that I wish I had coming up through it, I think is tremendously impactful. It's not just a book for sake of, oh, I have to write a book, check. You know, <laughs> a lot of people just have that on their bucket list. I think that that's a whole other thing. Also, when it comes to the speaking events and speaking engagements, have you been, because I know that there are tons of them in the Metro New York area, there are a ton of LinkedIn locals. And I think that sometimes people speak at them, sometimes they don't. I think that rather than just going to like generic kinds of events, this is one that's super focused on the power of one's network. And I think that since there are quite a number of Orthodox Jewish men in the New York metro area, that would be a really impactful place to go, whether you're speaking, whether you're attending, and if you are attending to get to know the people who are doing it, and then just to make sure that in the future you are speaking, and again, you know, continuing that authority play, getting the books out there. Sure. Yeah, I do go to quite a few of those wherever I can. Have you spoken at any of them yet? I have not. 
I have not. Not all of them have speakers. Some of them are um, are slated or scheduled with uh, you know with speakers ahead of time. Some of them don't ha really have much of a formal speaking program, if you will. It, they tend to make it more of a networking right. you know opportunity with a, with a little bit of a pitch here or there, but certainly can be an opportunity down the road. For sure. And I've actually helped a number of the New York Metro ones. So like I said, I'm born and raised. So I go to New York semi-often. And when I go, I try to align it where we can actually put together a LinkedIn local so I can just really maximize my trip. So I think that you've got a great voice and people should be more cognizant of what you do in the community. So I certainly would look for having somebody like you as part of, let's say, a panel. I don't really like it when the LinkedIn locals are just networking because that mm -hmm. smells too much like just a regular old networking event. I try not to go to those too much anymore because I feel like they have limited value. It's just kind of these these weird pitching kinds of things. Listen, people are free to do whatever they want, but I think for us to be the most effective, I think it's good, super interesting for people to actually learn new things that they don't know about LinkedIn, whether that right. is the technical side of it, whether it's the, certainly the soft skill side of it, which I think you could nail. So yeah, I think we should probably after this podcast, probably talk about some potential times and opportunities to really make that happen. So that'd be great. Yeah, for sure. So in the one minute we have left, what else would you like to cover? Whether it's press image perspective? Um, that's a good question. I, I, I think the speaking piece is probably the one uh, where I think I, I've left the most, so to speak, on the table. In other words, the, you know, always looking for, for great coaching, you know, clients and whatnot. I think that the process that I've been using has been relatively effective. I certainly would love to be able to get greater reach on my, you know, social engagement, especially on LinkedIn. You know, it's interesting. I find that the quality of posting is, you know, it really varies a lot. And some of the content, frankly, without, you know, trying to insult anybody is, is not always, of, of such great caliber. And yet there's a lot of engagement. And when I put what I think is pretty good content with real substance to it, it doesn't necessarily carry the same interest. So that's an area that I'm still exploring for sure. For sure. We're just about out of time, but in short, I would say let's definitely consider LinkedIn local New York events because that's exactly your target market. I think it would be great for you to speak at that. I think that would be great authority. South by Southwest EDU specifically, it's the second week of March basically. So this time around, you're probably too late, but I think for 2020, uh, it's worth starting to plan that out in the summer. And then, yeah, I think that there's a lot that can be said about LinkedIn content. There's a very specific kind of voice and vibe that's out there. Uh, sometimes things that seem like complete crap <laughs> go really well. Sometimes it's figuring out the algorithm. I think uh, a key thing, and I'll end with this, is really to vary one's content. So to not just post video after video, to always mix it up between the format of the types of things you do, like document sharing is doing really well right now, and the message seems to be the best. So we've run out of time for today, but thank you so, so much for being on here. You've been great. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. For sure.